morning. For those of you who may not know me, my name is Pablo Vargas. I'm the youth and family pastor here at Grace Assembly. And so good morning. Welcome. If you're here for the very first time, welcome. Class of 2020, if you're here and you're a member of the class of 2020, that's you've graduated from high school or any uh, level of uh, college, I just want you to raise your hand real quick. And church, can we give it up for the class of 2020? Come on. Amen. That is not the only celebration that we will be doing. Don't worry, we're going to be doing some stuff towards the end. But what a year it has been for everyone, but specifically the class of 2020 and just what you've had to endure to achieve your accomplishment and, and either moving up to the next level or receiving the, uh, the level that you were aiming for and then uh, whatever, whatever God has for you in the workforce, um, what a year it has been. I'm not expecting a lot of hands when I ask this question, uh, this question to be raised, and if, uh, if you are, we'll only judge you a little bit. But uh, by show of hands, how many of us here love unexpected obstacles? All right, a couple people. I'm only judging you a little bit. Not much. I didn't expect many hands. Uh, No one likes unexpected obstacles in their day. We have a plan for our day, at least most people do, and generally speaking, we don't like anything to interrupt that plan. Uh, How many type B people are in the room? Type B. If you don't know what type B is, that's you're just very go with the flow, kind of figure it out as you go, hakuna matata, no worries. That's the philosophy in which I have been living my life since I watched The Lion King as a little boy, is I'm just no worries, I'm going to take it day by day, thing by thing, I am going to just be. Um, Us type B people need type A people. I'm just going to go right out and say it. That's why I married one. I married a type A person, and in our kitchen, we have a big whiteboard calendar. And that whiteboard calendar has everything on it everything. Appointments, days that we're hanging out with friends, when we have church even on Sundays, even though since, you know, me being a pastor, I figured, you know, hey, that's kind of obvious, but it's still on the calendar. When we have youth group, when we have anything that's going on, it's on the calendar. Uh, And if it wasn't for type A people, type B people would forget some pretty important things that they needed to remember. So, if you're a type B person in this place, I'm not directing or telling you, and you're single, I'm not directing you or telling you who to marry, but try and find yourself a type A person because they'll organize your life for you. But we don't like unexpected obstacles. We generally like to plan. We like to make it through our plan without anything interrupting that plan. Uh, in January of this year, we took the remnant students, uh, the youth ministry here, to winter retreat, which winter retreat is a time where uh, youth groups across the central section of uh, New York, the central region of New York, get together at a camp, and we just worship together. We experience the presence of God together. We hear awesome preaching together, and one of the biggest highlights of the weekend is we have fun together. We have so much fun. And so this past January was my first one as the youth pastor of Grace uh, Assembly. And uh, it was an awesome, awesome time. But I ran into an unexpected obstacle. If any of you know me and you don't, if you don't know me or know this about me, you will eventually, I'm sure, somehow, in some way, shape, or form. I am extremely competitive. I am very competitive at everything that I do. Very, very competitive. Whether it be a sport 
or we could be playing Scrabble and the tension like is, is dense in the room when I'm playing just because uh, I'm not even going to get into board games, but the tension is very dense in the room. Um, so I'm, I'm very competitive. And so one of the things that uh, we do amongst all the worship, all the time that we have together in the presence of God and all the fun that we have is uh, at Winter Retreat every year, there's an annual smash volleyball tournament. This is youth group versus youth group versus youth group. And whoever wins this tournament is the top dogs for the year. And they, they claim uh, right to be the champions. They get this little trophy. They get a plaque that uh, ha, you know, has champions, you know, Grace Assembly of God, Remnant Youth 2019, because we won last year. But, right, right, we won last year. That's all I'm saying. What is our trophy? It's a little bobblehead, but still. We won, okay? We, got, we earned the right to this bobblehead and the plaque. But Pablo, being very competitive, sometimes uh, forgets that he has old leg injuries, old knee injuries, ankle injuries. And uh, so I'm in the front. It's the very first game. I'm in the front. It's towards the end. We're already, like, we're dominating. But I'm six foot two, meaning I'm in the front, and I'm ready to spike the ball. And I, you know, again, if, if they better not put, like, you know, a small 14-year-old kid in front of me because, again, I'm ruthless, when it comes to volleyball, I am ruthless. And uh, the ball just happened to just be perfectly set up for a spike. And I jumped so high, spiked that ball with every fiber in my being, and I got the point. What had happened after the, you know, the ball already landed before I did is I landed on my ankle, rolled it, and when the rest of my body weight caught up with where my ankle was on the floor, it popped my ankle right out of place. I had to spend the rest of winter retreat hobbling around on crutches that day and, and, you know, just wrapped up and just kind of limping around and then just a very, very long healing process of uh, hobbling around with my big, fat, swollen, bruised ankle. That was an unexpected option. I can guarantee you uh, and I can just affirm to you and just tell you that dislocating my ankle was not something that was on my radar for winter retreat. Uh, life is full of unexpected challenges, things that we don't plan for, um, really. We don't plan, we don't desire them, and we can't really prepare for them because, again, they're unexpected. But when they do happen, how we respond communicates a lot to who we are as individuals and even where we currently are mentally, emotionally, and spiritually in our walks. And the story of Joseph is one of unexpected obstacles, things he didn't expect things he didn't desire for himself, and things that he could not prepare for. But God used the circumstances that Joseph found, uh, found himself in to build him up and to prepare him for what God had in store for him, to prepare his heart for what God was going to bring his way. So what I'm going to do for you guys today, if, if you don't know the story of Joseph, I'm going to give you the abbreviated version of the story of Joseph. Uh, how many of you know what SparkNotes is in this room? Put your hands down. You're not supposed to know. It's not allowed. SparkNotes Spark Notes is uh, basically a website where you could type in a book and it'll give you the abbreviated version of that book chapter by chapter so that you don't technically have to read the book, but I'm not encouraging you to use SparkNotes.com. Um, 
Pablo in high school got in trouble a lot because of spark notes, but really because I didn't read books. Um, I, I didn't like what I had to read, so I just didn't read it. Um, and so Pablo used spark notes, and time and time again, it, and it's funny, you would think that I would learn from my mistakes, because we, where we were in our library, the librarian would grab whatever was printed out and hand it to the person who printed it out. So Pablo thought <laughs> that he could print something out before, you know, while the librarian wasn't looking, and then kind of run to the printer real quick, grab it, and run away. And Pablo, time and time again, would pick up his paper, everything would, you know, they would see what happened. They're not, they're not ignorant, and they're good at their job. And then Pablo would get called into the dean's office sometime later and be in trouble. Don't use spark notes, but I'm going to give you the spark note version of the story of Joseph today. Joseph was one out of 12 brothers, and he was the youngest. Imagine what that household was like. My dad was one out of 12 kids, and I only have one aunt from my dad, only one girl. She did not get married until she left the house and, was, and just left, even left Puerto Rico. She, she came to New York, and that's when she got married. She did not get married until she was already an adult, way, way adult. And uh, so jo- Joseph was one out of 12 brothers, and he was favored by his parents because of the fact that Joseph, uh, Jacob, rather, his father and his wife conceived him at such an old age. So they, they, they thought of Joseph as a blessing from God. So Joseph got the best of the best. He didn't have to work in his father's fields or take care of his father's flock like his other brothers did. He got, th- he got the good things, the education. He was gifted a robe full of co- uh, colors from his father, and Joseph's brothers started to resent him for this. How many of you have siblings? How many of you get mad at siblings every now and then? I am one out of four, and I'm the only boy, so I, I grew up in a house full of a lot of estrogen, and when God blessed me with the son, I, I just wept, I worshiped, I said, thank you, Jesus, you have seen my suffering and have rewarded me. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but really. So Joseph, uh, Joseph's brothers began to resent him for everything that Joseph got and they did not get. And one day, Joseph has a dream. And this dream is really important because this dream was God's way of showing Joseph, uh, in a sense, that God was, go- God was getting ready to do something big in Joseph's life. God was getting ready to bring Joseph to a position of, of prominence, a, a, a position of recognition and power and authority. And the dream was that uh, Joseph, in his, in his dream, he saw 12 sheaves of grain, 12 bundles of grain, each one representing he and his brothers. And all of a sudden, Joseph's bundle of grain began to be elevated before the others, and the other 11 bundles of grain began to bow to his elevated bundle of grain. And when Joseph told his brothers this dream that he had, the Bible says that they hated him even more because of this dream. And, and Joseph tells his father uh, and his parents this dream. And again, his parents, his parents kind of rebuke it, saying, are you saying that one day you are going to rule over us? That one day we are going to bow to you? And that's where that ended. And so Joseph, one of Joseph's responsibilities was that his father would send him every now and then to go check on his brothers and to check on the flocks and the fields and just to see how they were doing so he could give a report back to his father. And so uh, Jacob sends Joseph out into the uh, field one day to do this. And when his brothers saw him coming from a distance, they plotted to kill him. Talk about drastic measures. They saw their very own younger brother coming, uh, coming their way and they plotted to kill him. 
And when Joseph had reached his brothers, what they did was they took his robe off, they tore it off of him and threw him in, a, in an empty cistern that didn't have water in, it, in the field, a, a pit. And, and they left him there and they were considering, what are we going to do with him now? And instead of killing them, what they did was they took advantage of the fact that there was a caravan of Ishmaelites traveling close by. And instead of killing Joseph, they sold him to them. Now Joseph, Jacob's beloved blessing from God, his son, is a slave. Imagine what Joseph was feeling in this time. Hurt, pain, anger, confusion, betrayal, all emotions that I'm, I'm certain, I'm 100% certain we have all experienced at some point in our lives. So Joseph is sold in Egypt as a slave to, uh, to the house of a man named Potiphar who was an officer of the Pharaoh. So mind you, Joseph is in slavery right now. He, he must be at a very low. And listen to what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 39, beginning in verse 2, verses 2 through 4. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord uh, caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him an overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. So here's the, here's, here's the story of Joseph. He's, he's in slavery. He's sold in slavery. And Joseph just does what his master wishes now. He, he needs to be a good servant. And Joseph eventually becomes number two in Potiphar's household, only behind Potiphar himself. He was given all the responsibilities of taking care of everything, and the only thing Potiphar had to worry about was, what am I eating today? What am I doing today? Um, I'm currently thinking about what I want to eat today. I didn't eat this morning. <laughs> So everything was great. Joseph was in a low, and now he's, he's pretty well off for a slave. But this didn't last long for Joseph. When uh, one day Potiphar's wife notices Joseph, and she notices that he's a young man, he's, he's built, he's a strong man, and he's a good-looking dude. And so she tries to make advances on him, and Joseph refuses, saying, how can I betray my master like this? How can I, how can I dishonor my master or dishonor my God in such a way? And because Joseph refused, uh, Potiphar's wife told her husband that Joseph tried to make advances on her and take advantage of her. And Potiphar was so angry with Joseph that he had Joseph thrown into prison. Picture this. Joseph was betrayed by his family. Joseph was sold into slavery. He, he works his way to a, a place of trust with his master only to be lied about and be thrown into prison. Now Joseph went from being a slave to a prisoner. And again, I want you to know what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 39, verses 21 and 22. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. This is unheard of. 
Joseph is a prisoner, and yet again, God is with him and favors him so much that he gives him favor with the warden of that prison to the point where, once again, he's given responsibility because everything, again, that Joseph does, everything that, everything that Joseph touches is fruitful. Everything, every responsibility that's given to him succeeds. And so while Joseph is a prisoner, one day the cupbearer and the baker of Pharaoh are thrown into prison. And of course, Joseph, being over all the other prisoners, gets to know them. And these, these, these two individuals begin having reoccurring dreams, uh, and both meant something. And Joseph, knowing the God whom he serves, said, I can give you the interpretation of your dreams. And so they share what the dreams were. And for the baker, unfortunately, uh, because of his offenses to his master, the Pharaoh, the baker in three days would be put to death. He was sentenced to death. But to the cupbearer, his dream meant that in three days, he was going to be restored to his position as the cupbearer of Pharaoh. And what Joseph tells the cupbearer before he's restored to his position is, when you are restored, remember me. When you are restored, remember me and what I have done. And Joseph begins to tell the cupbearer his story from the beginning. What happened with his brothers, his journey for him to be where he is in a position of authority as a prisoner. And so everything happens as Joseph said would come to pass. The cupbearer is put back in his position by the Pharaoh as the Pharaoh's cupbearer. And uh, the cupbearer tells Pharaoh everything that happened, who Joseph is. Pharaoh apologizes to Joseph and releases him, and they live happily ever after. That's not true. Unfortunately, this isn't a Hallmark movie. Joseph was forgotten about for two years. For two more years, he served in that prison. And after two years had passed, the Pharaoh began having to have this reoccurring dream that nobody could interpret. And uh, somehow the cupbearer had heard about this dream that Pharaoh was having and uh, thinking that it has a meaning. That's when the cupbearer finally realizes, oh my gosh, it's been two years. I had one job and I totally forgot to tell the Pharaoh about this guy named Joseph. And so the cupbearer tells Pharaoh about this guy named Joseph who two years before had interpreted the dreams of he and the baker and everything that Joseph said came to pass. So of course the Pharaoh hearing this calls Joseph to stand before him and Joseph hears the dream and Joseph is able to interpret the dream because God gives him the interpretation. Again, Joseph is confident in the God whom he serves. And the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream was essentially that Egypt was about to go through seven, seven years of prosperity and abundance, but immediately following those seven years of prosperity and abundance would come seven years of famine. So they had seven years in the abundance to prepare for the lack of or, or those seven years of famine. See, Joseph had gone through unforeseen circumstances, unexpected obstacles, but in Joseph's faithfulness to serve God in the position that he was in and continue to be faithful, he was able to aid an entire nation to prepare for a circumstance that was unforeseeable in their eyes. But again, because of the God whom he served, because of who, J who Joseph was, he was able to give them that interpretation and help them plan. 
And after, after Joseph had given the Pharaoh a plan, I want you to hear what the Pharaoh himself says in Genesis chapter 41, verses 37 through 40. It says, This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? The Pharaoh said to Joseph, Amen. Amen. The Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all of this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. Verse 40. You shall be over my house. This is Pharaoh speaking. You shall be over my house, and all of my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards as the throne will I be greater than you. Joseph is once again put in a position of authority, but this time he wasn't put in a position of authority over an officer's household. He wasn't put in a position of authority in a prison. God had placed him in a position of authority over an entire nation of people. Over an entire nation of people. God after, and I'm going to give you a very abbreviated version of what happens next because, man, we could go on, we could, we could do a series, a very long series on the life of Joseph. God, after a series of events, restores Joseph's relationship with his family and his, his people then move to Egypt so that they can all prosper together, hallmark ending. That doesn't last long either, but that's a story for another day. The story of Joseph is one of tribulation, It's one of heartache. It's one of trial after trial after trial. And I don't know about you, but I have gone through seasons of my life where I felt like the world was coming against me one thing after the other. And just as I'm barely over what just happened here, something else happens and another obstacle and another obstacle. And that's what it seemed was happening to Joseph. Being brought high and then back low. But also, if you look at the story of Joseph from another angle, from a more positive outlook, uh, I am an optimist by nature. I seriously am an optimist by nature. And so I I look at this story, and I also see that the story of Joseph is one of perseverance. It's one of favor. It's one of growth and one of reconciliation. Amos, if you could come up. There's a lot we can learn from the life of Joseph that can help us in our current trials and even our future challenges and tribulations. And I have three simple takeaway points slash observations from the life of Joseph that honestly we can all apply to our lives today and it will help us. My first observation point for you all today is, as was with Joseph, the Lord is with you. And I'm not telling you that to just make you feel good. I'm not telling you that just to comfort you in any way, shape, or form. I'm telling it to you because it's a promise that's given to you. Jesus, when he gave the great commission to his disciples, he commissions them in everything that they are to do. And he finishes it with a promise that anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, anyone who is a follower of Jesus, you are a disciple. And he gives this promise, and surely I will be with you till the very ends of the age. He didn't didn't say I might be with you sometimes, or when I feel like it, or when you're good, or you know, when you're not tripping up and you're not falling and you're not messing up and dabbling in sin. He said, I will be with you always till the very ends 
of the age. That's a promise that I truly believe has gotten a lot of people through a lot of things in their lives. It's a promise that has gotten me through a lot in my life, if you know my story. And I know that that is a promise that has gotten the class of 2020 through this unforeseen obstacle that is COVID-19. My second observation point is, serve the Lord faithfully in whatever season or circumstance you find yourself. Why? Look at Joseph. Look at Joseph. He was brought low and he was a slave and he served his master well. And God's favor was so with him that everything he put his hand to prospered. Everything he he put his hand to, God used. And his master recognized it. Again, these are Egyptians. They didn't serve the God Joseph served. But they recognized the God that he served through what he did, through his actions, through his life. Joseph was in prison. He continued to serve his master. And the warden of that prison, an Egyptian, didn't recognize Joseph's God as his own, recognized that Joseph's God was with him because everything Joseph touched prospered. Pharaoh himself said, can we find a man like this in all the land whom dwells the Spirit of God? Pharaoh, the leader of the Egyptians whom serve a multitude of deities, recognized that there was power in in the God, behind the God that Joseph served. And it was all because Joseph served faithfully in whatever season or circumstance he found himself. I believe that's a word for us today, amen? That we serve a great God. We serve the same God Joseph served. He's the same God today that he was then, amen? And so whatever circumstance or season we find ourselves, we have an opportunity to be faithful. We have an opportunity to serve him. Difficult circumstances, seasons, and situations are not a disqualifier for God's ability to be able to use you. God can use you whatever season you're in. God can use you whatever circumstance you're in. I once, I once worked with a man who was diagnosed with stage four cancer and he was the greatest encourager. He, he is the greatest encourager. I'm not going to say he was because he's still, he's still kicking around. He's, he's such a great encourager. He worked with me at, uh, at North Point Bible College and he was uh, working with us on the, grounds, on the grounds crew and maintenance. A lot of, a lot of hard work for a man who had st- stage four cancer. His story is God healed him. No more cancer in his body. Whatever circumstance, you have a reason to serve faithfully. You have a reason to be faithful. You have a reason to worship because we have Jesus. Amen? And my last point is, be an optimist amidst life's challenges because God is for you and he favors you. The Apostle Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in, in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice 
in our suffering. Some people might read that and think, this Paul is a weirdo. I don't understand how you can rejoice. It's because Paul had an understanding of truth. He knew Jesus as the truth. And so Paul says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom has been given to us. The Holy Spirit that has been given to each and every single one of us. We can have hope today. We can have hope in our sufferings. Because as we just read in scripture, if, you're, if you just keep your eyes on God, if you keep your eyes on Jesus, no matter what circumstance you find yourself, according to scripture, suffering leads to hope. And hope will never put you to, the, put you to shame because of the truth of who Jesus is. And I thought it would be fitting and be very appropriate for us, before we honor our seniors and celebrate them, to hear from a member of the class of 2020 and hear how God had worked in her heart in this time of unexpected obstacles. So Catherine, if you could come up. Um, good morning, church family. My name is Katherine Stanton, and I have been attending Grace for about five-ish years now, and I am so blessed to have this church that will celebrate our class like this. On that note, I'm going to be speaking on behalf of the class, uh, to the senior class of 2020 from this church. I'm a high school graduate from uh, Bondsville Central School District, and can I start by saying how proud I am, and I know all of us are in this room, of both our high school and college graduates, because we know this year has been the farthest from normal. I remember at the end of my junior year, my brothers and my parents told me to take in everything from this year because in a flash of an eye, the year was going to speed right past me and be gone. What I didn't know was that they were completely literal. <laughs> we uh, started with such anticipation for this year. This was the year, our year to be leaders and do everything for the last time. What we didn't know was when we started this year that it was going to abruptly come to an end on March 17th. I know we all had some pretty high hopes for the end of the year. For many, they were just starting their last boarding season. For others, they have been preparing for months for their school musical, and on opening night, right before current call, the show completely got canceled. Proms and balls were canceled, and we couldn't have that magical night in overpriced dresses. And none of the cute photos or fun memories with your besties. There was no last chorus concert, no recitals, cabarets, competitions. And for us high school graduates here um, at Grace, we had no more remnant for three months. No girls' ministry retreats or boys' campouts. No VBS and all the silliest, silliness that that entails or being slimed in the dunk tank. No kids' camp or teen camp. And probably most heart-wrenching for a lot of us seniors here, we didn't have fine arts or nationals. Uh, we wouldn't have that high from waiting right before we got on stage to perform and all the nerves and the hugging and crying and we received scores, scores back, whether it was a fair or an award of merit, <laughs> or the moments where we just goofed off in the hotel room, the pool or fun day, and just spent the best week of, our, week of the year with our best friends. I always thought it was stupid to be sad over a year that we couldn't have, but it was hard. We were so excited because this was our year. We were gonna to be top dog at our school and be leaders to the underclassmen. 
We were going to be celebrated for our hard work for the past 12 years, and Corona stopped pretty much all of that. For a long time, we didn't even know if we were going to walk a stage and get our diploma, and some of us didn't. We had to do it virtually behind a screen. We never got that last, and it almost felt like we were going to be that forgotten generation, that we're going to forget about the class of 2020. So we had that season of hopelessness. We were all forced to stay home, away from all of our loved ones, during the most important time of our life. And let me tell you how hard that is with me being an introvert. I struggled. Anyone else? Extroverts? Did I say introverts? Sorry, y'all. Extroverts. I'm a little, yeah. <laughs> but basically, I struggled a lot. But moral of the story, I did not like it. But this virus changed our lives, all of ours, and we found a new normal. We had school online and for three months, and we had group FaceTime calls that really saved our butts. And I really believe God did a work in us during this season of mourning. For example, God really changed my heart. I, became, I was angry with him, and I was envious of any person that graduated before me or was going to graduate after me. They were going to have their year, or they did have their year, and we didn't. I thought it was unfair, and I was losing control in the situation. And I learned there was nothing, absolutely nothing I could do but rely on God. God put my priorities in place, and I learned what really matters, and that's him. I'd have changed my whole perspective on this whole situation. I could be sad, angry, and resentful, or I could see all the good that was happening. God was slowing us down and working in our hearts. He revealed to me what he needed me to change, and I'm choosing to full-heartedly follow him. God is good. God's timing is always right. He knows way better than me. God is more powerful than any virus. And God is raising up leaders during this time that I believe will lead the next generation. There will be a revival of the Church of God. And seniors, I believe that starts with us. Sometimes bad things happen, and Satan would love to see us crushed. But God has greater plans than that. He has greater plans for each and every one of you. So I'd like to end by sharing my senior quote from this year. It's found in Psalm 16:5, and it states, You, Lord, are all I have, and you give me all that I need. My future is in your hands. I meant that God is the only thing that I have, and everything else is temporary. He is our Heavenly Father who is constantly with us and loves us, and he knows every desire of my heart and of your heart. He's our provider, and even when the world lets us down, he never will. He will always be the constant in our crazy, messed-up world. So seniors, he is on our side, and he will give you all that you will ever need. When we go off to college or wherever life may take us, he will be with you, protecting and leading you every single moment of every single day. So I pray he will bless you and give you the boldness to live out every day as a light for Christ. Senior class of 2020, we are resilient. We were born in the wake of 9-11, graduated during a pandemic, and are bound for greatness. I am so proud to have graduated with all of you this year, and seriously, there is no better class. I might be a little biased though, because I graduated this year, but I am so pumped to see what each of you guys do in the future. I love you guys to the moon and back. Congratulations. What a year. So now we're going to celebrate a little bit. Can we do that? Are we, are we high energy right now? Can we be high energy, a little hype right now? All right. Can we celebrate a little bit? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to call uh, the class of 2020 that might be here, might not be here, but even if they're not here, we're going to cheer as if they were. 
people on Facebook Live, start hitting that like button or that love button as soon as people, you know, be the hype people on Facebook for us. As soon as I call a name, I'm just going to ask you to come. We have gifts for you. You don't need to line up by your bag. Just line up here, face everyone, and we're going to celebrate you. So as I call your name up, everybody clap. First, you just heard from her, Catherine Stanton. Allison Boise. Mickey Pitts. Mia Davis. Peyton Van Boden. Shakira Santos. Aiden Plaza. Mackenzie Burdick. Celia Cruz. Matt German. John German. Kaya Corey. Joshua Salvage. Joanna Goncalves. She's one of our interpreters over here. And Melissa Freeman. This is our class of 2020. Come on, let's give it up a little louder. Amen. 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 So now I'm going to ask the members of the class of 2020 to turn around and face me for just a moment. What a year. I have been the youth pastor at Grace Assembly now for just over a year. July 8th marked a year, and I could not have foreseen my first year of ministry up here and you know, nearly half of it being on a screen and indoors. But God, God got us through. God got each and every one of you through. And so to speak into your guys' lives for a moment, no matter what season you may find yourself in, this season was a hard one for everybody, but I can't even imagine what it would have been like if this was my senior year of high school or my, my year that I was just right there at the finish line of any level, level of education or degree or whatever it may be. Remember that God is always with you guys. He will, there will never be a moment in time where God is not with you. He's always with you. Amen? Amen. Can, you guys, can you guys trust me on that? Can you guys trust his word on that? Amen. Know that you can be an optimist in your seasons of trial. Because again, God favors you. You are, you are his sons. You guys are his daughters. And the same way that I would want greatness for my own son Judah, God looks, looks at you and just desires for you to become the men and women that he has created you to be. So to continue, continue to pursue him. Continue to seek after him and chase after his will for your life. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would lead you step by step as he just continues to unveil what that plan is and what that purpose is for you guys. Amen? You guys can turn back around. Congregation, I'm going to ask if you could stand with me and just extend a hand towards the class of 2020. And we're going to pray a prayer over them. 
And for some, this, is, this might be a send-off send prayer because some go to college in less than a month and uh, they're, they're going away. Let's just pray that whatever God has in store for them, they would walk right into. Whatever doors God needs to close, pray that God would close them, but that he would make evident the ones that they are intended to walk through throughout, the journey they, throughout this journey we call life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. We worship you and we magnify you today, God. Lord, I thank you that we can trust you as our guide through life, through this journey we call life on this earth. I'm so grateful, Lord, for your leading, for your guiding, guiding and for your plan, God. I'm so grateful for your will because first and foremost, it was your will to send Jesus to the cross for us so that we can all be right here in this room today. Worshiping together, being in your presence, Lord, and also celebrating this group of individuals up here who have uh, achieved, Lord, something great, Lord, graduating in the midst of a very, very great unforeseen obstacle. God, I just pray over them today. Lord, lead them and guide them. May, may their eyes be open, Lord God, and wide-eyed looking at you always, Lord. That whatever season they find themselves in, O oh God, they would always continue to look to you, God. That they would continue to walk forward in the things that you have for them, Lord God, and just continuously be shaped and molded into the men and women that you have created them to be. We pray, God, that your will would be done in their lives and that your will would be done through their lives. I pray, God, that as uh, some are entering college, Lord God, now in just some very formidable years of their lives, Lord, that you would help them navigate, Lord God, truth. That, Lord, as some may be in, uh, attending universities where uh, the world may be trying to dictate to them what truth is, I pray that they would hold fast to your word, Lord, to what truth really is, because the one who knows truth is the one who created truth in the first place. So I pray, God, keep a hedge of protection over them. And God, just again, lead, guide, not our will. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.